Thank you for listening to Voices of Grace. I'm Ryan Peterson. I'm with the Communications Department at Grace Community Church, and our goal here with each episode, we love to profile followers of Jesus who are on mission in showing Jesus' love to others. And today, I'm going to spend some time with a friend of mine and the Grace Community Church missions pastor, Stephen Whitcliffe. Stephen, thanks for squeezing me in. Oh, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> it's great to be with an Emmy-nominated host. He always has to bring that up in every interaction. Um, let's get serious, though. Um, first, give us a little bit of background on where you grew up in your family and your kids. Yeah, so I grew up in the Dallas area in uh, a town at the time that was small, Red Oak, Texas, just south of the Dallas area. I uh, grew up there, uh, graduated from high school there, and then met my wife, Stephanie, at Washita Baptist University in Arkansas, um, and then left from there, moved, was a student pastor in Oklahoma for two years, and then left there in 2005 and came to Grace Community Church. Uh, since then, we have uh, four kids, uh, Callan, who is three, Beckett, he's five, Asher, who is almost 12, and Maylee, the only girl who is 14. So you grew up in the church, but um, you have said that Jesus transformed you, I think your senior year of high school. Yeah. So what happened at that point? I mean, that's a crazy stage in all of our lives where yeah. you're, you're leaving high school and going through things. So what happened that made you find Jesus? Yeah, so like I, I grew up in the church since I, I mean, man, as long as I can remember, my parents had both come to know Christ uh, when, I, I think it was in the 70s, uh, through a revival, they came to know Christ and they had neither had grown up in the church. And so as a kid, though, for me, I, I, I did grow up in the church and uh, all the way through those years. And I, I honestly, I went really out of it because it, I was made to go or obligation. And uh, it was... The summer prior to my senior year of high school, um, and I was not really engaged in the in the youth group or student ministry. I was focused on working a, a job I had, making money, that kind of thing. And so, in the midst of that, my sister, who um, was in college, uh, she got sick and had gone to a, an emergency room and, and was misdiagnosed. And it turned out that she didn't just have a stomach bug; like her appendix had ruptured. Um, and so she made it to the Dallas area and was taken, and they soon discovered she had gangrene. The infection had spread throughout her body. They weren't sure if she was going to live or make it or not, and so uh, just basically infection enveloped her whole body, and in the midst of that, my dad, um, who was a deacon in the church, very engaged, he continued to disappear for lengthy amounts of time, and we soon discovered that in the midst of all that, that he had started using prescription painkillers that had become a habit-forming and addictive, and then from there had also started using uh, illegal drugs, I mean, and that addiction uh, had really kind of taken over his his life in the midst of that time. So in the midst of this chaos, you have my, my sister, my oldest sister who's in the hospital, unsure if she was going to survive. My dad, who's kind of absent from the picture at this point, um, and because of a drug addiction that he had he had formed, and so in the midst of all that, you know, things became really uncertain for me in my life. And uh, God had put two two men that had really reached out to me. Uh, one was he was an interim student pastor who attended the church. His name was Jared Douglas, and the other was the new student pastor incoming. His name was Taryn Phillips, and. 
uh, these guys really just pursued me. Like they, they wouldn't take no for an answer and simply, you know, Jared said, Hey, you want to go to lunch? And I was like, Oh, I can't, I'm busy. And he just, he was persistent. He didn't stop. Uh, he continued. And, and through that, uh, God really used them as instruments in my life of men who discipled me, who poured into me. And, and truly through that, you know, I came to know Christ. I mean, yeah, I had grown up in the church and had even, you know, walked an aisle to make a decision or, you know, at the age of six or seven. Uh, but I truly came to know Christ at that time. I, th- you know, I truly believe that I only really knew religion uh, at that point in time, but I came to know and follow Christ through that, um, you know, with my dad and the, the chaos of that. So at that point, then, when did you realize, I want to be in ministry? Yeah, that it didn't happen right away, but uh, the more they guys, these guys supported my life, I started just, they, I was always with them, I mean, or a lot of the time with them, uh, it kind of became second family for me uh, as student pastors, and so I would help with set up, tear down, um, sound, whatever, like, was needed for, with the student ministry, and out of that, um, you know, they said one time, hey, we're going to be gone to this conference, why don't you teach for us? And I thought, okay. Um, I was nervous, but I didn't know what I was signing up for, so I said yes, and so I I taught the uh, student ministry group on a Wednesday night, um, probably like 70, 80 students, something like that, and uh, from there, God just began working in my heart and, and started moving in me, and then I chose to go to Washita Baptist University because uh, I truly sensed that, hey, God's calling me into ministry, and so went there with uh, to seek a degree in, in ministry and, and uh, speech communications. So you came to Grace on staff in 05, is that right? Yeah, I came in March um, 05. So how did you get to Grace? How did that happen? Yeah, so was it, we were Stephanie and I, my wife, we were at a church in Oklahoma for uh, a couple of years, and uh, in that time, uh, we sensed, okay, hey, God's God was moving in us, and we weren't sure where or what uh, that looked like. And so um, through this this website, I think it still exists, it's Youth Specialties, so it's just like where student pastors connect and had resources and stuff. Uh, I became aware of uh, the position for a middle school junior high pastor here at uh, Grace and Tyler and submitted my, my name and info and uh, got a response from a guy named Steve Tanner. Steve Tanner. Yeah, Steve Tanner. Interesting. You were in youth ministry. How did you go from that to where you are today uh, as the missions pastor? Because that, that's yeah. quite an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I was doing middle school um, student ministry, uh, and some would say I, I never grew up. Um, so yeah, I, I, would, was, I would argue that. I was very good at that, <laughs> uh, and I, I probably still would be since I haven't grown up, but it's okay. I, I love those times. It was great. <laughs> uh, but I, in the midst of that, um, I was uh, getting seminary degree, and uh, it was in basically uh, inter- international or intercultural studies. It was, I think the degree is global leadership, and um, it was all based around what does biblical leadership look like in a global setting. And so uh, out of that, I started to engage more in um, local mission here within our city, and then also international causes, and uh, out of that, 
flowed opportunity to, at that time we didn't have someone leading the local uh, mission initiatives. And so began to work uh, alongside Steve Rumpf, uh, who was the, the global missions pastor at that time and began to uh, lead out on those local initiatives, um, international causes. I'm glad you brought up local because I think when we hear missions, most of the time our mind immediately goes to overseas, a, a more global perspective. But I mean, we have so many people hurting here locally yeah. in our community. Um, can, can you kind of talk about that? I mean, do you see that where people don't realize maybe how much we need locally and just it's just as important as the global aspect of missions? Yeah, I think that's I mean, that's, that's very real. And that's always a struggle of like, how much do you give to what? Um, the pendulum always swings more towards the international outside of our borders. Uh, I think one, because of the, the mystery of the unknown is fascinating to people to go and see and meet believers in other parts of the world, um, in different cultures that that's fascinating, uh, to, to us as humans. And so I think that's one part of it. Uh, but I do think, you know, I do think there is a uniqueness in Tyler that, you know, Tyler is a very generous city. Uh, I think in one study I saw, like Tyler ranked like 37 or 38 out of not just cities its own size, but all cities within the U.S. Um, wow. like a per capita generosity. Wow. Uh, so incredibly generous, and I don't think you reach that generosity without people realizing the need or the awareness of what's around them. Um, and so I think we have a very generous community, not only financially but in time and investment. Um, so I do think there are a lot of people um, that see and respond. You talk about like the success of places like uh, the Mentoring Alliance uh, or you know just this, the stability of the Salvation Army that's here as well. You can see it, and you can see how things have... You see a lot of local ministry and missions uh, flourishing. But I think ultimately, as, as followers of Christ, we have to remember it's... It's not an either or, like it's a both and, right? I, if I'm not doing it here locally, like what makes me think? I always challenge those that are uh, want to be sent out by grace as missionaries. I always challenge them with like, if you're not doing it here, what makes you think you're going to do it there? And that that tends to be true a lot of times. Like, we if we're not practicing it here, we're going to struggle to practice it regardless of where we are. And and why I say practice, I mean you know, sowing the seeds of the gospel and multiplying disciples. And, you know, that's ultimately the the goal of mission as we come alongside loving people is we want to love them and earn a hearing for the gospel. That's such a great point. Um, so, yes, we've, we've talked about the importance of the local missions, but you do travel a lot. Um, I know you like to travel. Do you even know how many countries you've been to since you've been become missions pastor? Yeah, I think we're, well, I don't know how many since I've become missions pastor, but overall I think... I'm at like 43 or 44 countries. Wow. Um, why do you love, why do you think you love to travel so much? Traveling is stressful, especially if you're traveling internationally. Yeah. I mean, I love travel, I think, because it is that for me, like I was saying, like the, the mystery and the, it's fascinating to like go and see and learn from other believers. Um, I think also like it, when you're, when you're seeing and learning from other believers, I mean, when I'm, a big fan of our posture should be as we go and engage with believers in other countries, we should take a posture of humility and listening and not coming as if we have the answers or solutions. But I also think it's a really good opportunity to see and reflect on what it, what it what's the golden calf in my life and in my country. Um, 
in my city, in my state. Like, I think it really, when, when we go and we sit down and we learn in other countries, we begin to get a reflection or an idea of what are the idols that I worship? What can I learn from these followers of Christ? Uh, you know, in whatever country it may be, whether it's uh, India or Kenya or uh, Nicaragua or Ecuador. So you kind of answered this question, but I am going to follow up. So I had I was reading an article that had a survey that one in six Americans um, have never even left their home state. Uh, many, you know, never leave the country. I know I don't have a great perspective on anything outside of our borders here. What are some of the things that we as American, especially Christians, don't understand or maybe we take for granted from what you've seen in your travels? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, certainly there's the one of the biggest things that strikes people when you travel in a lot of places is, is poverty. Uh, people are often struck by, like, the wealth, the creature comforts, the uh, just the general ease of life, like, that, that we have. Um, that most often is the culture shock that people face when they go. And, you know, that, that culture shock can, it, it can motivate people. Um, or it can also uh, freeze people. And so we, we try to work hard to help people understand like a little bit of what they're going to see before they go uh, out of the fact that we don't want them frozen or so intimidated by the culture shock that they're seeing that, you know, they're not learning um, from the other believers that are there. And, you know, I think a lot of times, even for me personally, uh, with my wife in the past, my, my hope is that we will be able to take some trips uh, in the future. But there's that fear, um, you know, of the unknown, like you had mentioned. Um, what are like, I know you've had some anxious moments in airports and in other countries. We've talked about it. How do you like get past that fear and that anxiety? Yeah, I mean, one, I think, you know, because people a big question people ask on short term trips is, is it safe? Uh, you know, we try to take and gather all the information we can to, to make the, the wisest decision that we can in each situation in each trip. Uh, having said that, a lot of times safety is just, to be honest, is, it's relative. You know, we think, oh, I'm safe here, uh, but something could happen to you or I today. And so that's, that's one part of it is looking at it as, okay, God is sovereign. Um, we, God is given us the ability to make wise choices, so we want to do that. But at the end of the day, God's sovereignty, so we have to have faith and trust in that uh, and and not buy into the lie that, oh, I, I actually control things myself. Um, God, so God is in control. I think that's a big part, just resting in that. And I think, too, is just it's knowing the Word of God and and, and praying, and not in, a, not in a panicked way of praying, but like, okay, God, how do you want to lead us in this in this moment in this time when things are uncertain and we're not sure what the outcome's going to be how has being a missions pastor changed you i mean has there been something you've seen um a moment that you experienced that like changed you completely or um i mean how would you say it's maybe changed you in terms of being a follower in christ and and your perspective on things yeah i i think it's changed me in the sense of like getting to see the big picture. Like that's one thing I think the short-term trips, I think the importance of short-term trips is truly that it, it does so much work in the people that are going and the disciples going um, because you get to see how God is at work around the world, right? Like we're not taking God there with us. We don't put him in a suitcase and take him. He's already there. Like 
he's already working and you can hear stories and you can watch videos, but until you go and you see, like it, it, it changes you when you see how God is at work around the world. It, it gives you, there's a significant impact that that has on you. So you begin to understand, man, God's much larger than I can even imagine in this moment. When you travel, and look, we see the stories um, every year when we pray for the persecuted church. Um, these things, I mean, they take a toll on me. Uh, I mean, they have to take a toll on you. How difficult is that for you when you're seeing this, when you're meeting these people and you're having to leave? And um, that has to be hard. Yeah, I mean, there, there certainly are hard moments, uh, for sure. I think, you know, what we have to deal with from you know, seeing it occasionally or being on a trip occasionally where you're seeing that is nothing compared to what the people, the pastors, the leaders on the ground are seeing right on a daily basis, the persecution ongoing. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it takes a toll on us, but I think I would like to think more than anything, it, it motivates us like to say, man, look at, look at the resources I have, look at the ease of access I have, like what more can I do? Um, what am I doing and what more can I do? Like, that's what I think it prompts in me uh, when I see that. Uh, I think the toll is heavy on those who are persecuted uh, around the world. Like, absolutely, don't want to discount that for a minute. But I also think that they are strengthened through that. Like, as you talk to persecuted believers, like, like they, they grow in the midst of that. I mean, does anyone want that? No, not really. Uh, but you also encounter believers who they don't want you to pray for God to take away that persecution, right? They, they, want, they want you to pray that they have the strength to endure it. So. Right. How, because um, I know it has to have been really difficult on you because you love to travel so much. How, how hard has COVID been in terms of what it's done for missions, I guess, internationally and, and travel? And are we pretty much back to normal now? Yeah, it was really hard because I had to be at the office a lot more. And that was hard on everybody yeah, here. Yeah, and I had to be around guys like Ryan Peterson and Steve Tanner and Doug Clark. Uh, man, that was rough. But, uh, I, you know, it certainly had an impact um, for a lot of ministries. There was a lot of switching to Zoom or, you know, different ways of communicating. Uh, are we back? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if we'll ever be back. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that cha- have changed, and uh, some for the better, and and some not, but I think it, it certainly made, um, from a mission standpoint, people reevaluate, like, okay, what are we doing? And, and what we are doing, is it making a difference and impact for the kingdom? And so that, that's a huge part of it. And I think it's, it's even, you know, it's caused missionaries and mission agencies and churches to even reevaluate short-term trips. I'm saying like, what, what's the purpose of this trip? Um, I still think there's certainly a place for short-term trips, uh, but I think everyone's looking and going, okay, uh, is this as intentional and strategic as it could be? So were we not so, asking that question before? We were. I think we were asking that question. But I think, you know, when you look at the number of dollars and the number of short-term trips, mm-hmm. like globally, right? I, can't, yeah. I, I don't want to quote you a statistic that's wrong, but th- that number is enormous. And so I think the danger was sometimes... Uh, that it would become easier for, you know, an agency or a church to say, yeah, we're going. Um, and not to say there wasn't intentionality or strategy, there was, but maybe not to the degree that there could have been. Um, 
because there was such demand for people to go. And I don't, you know, it's, it's like many things, right? We're not back to what that demand ever was for short-term trips. Right. I'm not sure we will be. Yeah. Uh, but I also think it has a lot of people looking and reevaluating and saying, okay, how can we, how can we get better at this? How can we do better? How can we honor God more with what's going on? Um, if someone has thought about going on a missions trip, but they've had that fear and anxiety, I mean, what would you say to them? I mean, would you encourage them, especially you and I have talked before about the short-term trips, and I've had other friends that have went on these trips, and they've called them life-changing, yeah. just seeing the love that someone ha- has nothing and the joy that they have in Jesus. Yeah. It's something we can't even understand. Um, what would you say to that person if they're they're struggling with that or thinking about going on a, a Yeah, trip? I think if you're struggling with it, I mean, one would be... My, my first encouragement would be, hey, engage locally. Like, start building relationships with people in the community that don't know Jesus, right? Love them and earn a hearing to speak the gospel into their life. Start there. And then I think, then you look and you go and see, okay, okay, here are short-term opportunities that exist. And, you know, like, we're even back to a reduced schedule over what we used to have. And so as that grows, you'll have more opportunities. Uh, but I think, I think at least take the step of, of faith to say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna at least learn more about this short term trip. Um, I, I'm not, you know, you're you're still gonna have fear. You're still gonna have discomfort. Like that happens. That's part of the trip. Um, and once again, we're gonna try to be as, as wise as possible in making decisions to go. But there's still that it's that element um, of taking a step of faith to go in that and. And I would say, like, going with a team, that's huge. Like, you you connect and you unite with this team of believers in a, a really unique way because not only have you gone together, you've served together. And so it creates these unique bonds. And, and that's where, as a team, you know, someone may be struggling with a fear and anxiety that where the team surrounds them uh, in a positive way to pray over them, right, or to encourage them. And so it's the opportunity for the body to love the body of Christ uh, in the midst of these trips. Well, Stephen, uh, thank you so much. Um, it is much quieter and not as funny around when you are out of the office traveling mm-hmm. inter- internationally. I can't so. that. <laughs> but I do, all joking aside, I do appreciate what you do. I appreciate your heart. Um, I love it, and thanks for your time. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I just have one more question. Uh, yeah. Have you ever been to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I have, actually. Oh, really? Wow. That, that's for another episode. Oh, okay. We're here to glorify Jesus, not not football. Okay. Stephen. Okay. Go Cowboys. (laughs) Thank you, uh, Stephen. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Ryan Peterson. This has been Voices of Grace. Boom. Boom.